This is episode number 149 of the Rising Man podcast with Michael Diamond. The biggest lie we've been led to believe is that I am the only one experiencing this pain. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Good morning. Welcome to the show. If you haven't been here before, my name is Jetty Azuma, and I am the host and creator of the podcast and the founder of the Rising Man movement. And I want to make sure I give you guys that invitation like I do each and every week to take a step deeper into this community. All you have to do is go to risingman.org and find out a way that you can be a part of our virtual men's fire circles. Take the next 12 weeks to jump into Inferno and be on a team of men with me to grow and advance your leadership and your personal direction in your life, or come out to fast with us in the wilderness for four days and four nights on our next Spring Compass adventure. So if any of that resonates with you and any of you guys are feeling that itch, that urge to challenge yourself and take that next big leap forward in your development, then check it out at risingman.org. Okay, today's guest is Michael Diamond. He is the founder of Ignite the King. Ignite is a brotherhood of men living their mission and purpose. Michael began his professional career as a network spinal analysis chiropractor and has been in private practice for over 12 years. In 2016, Michael had a life-transforming experience after attending a men's weekend. And since that time, he's been fully committed to help other men live their most energy-rich version, showing up fully in their relationships, families, and mission with presence, passion, and purpose. After working with 500 men, Michael has distilled down the five most common challenges that we face as men in the modern world so that we can model a new way of being for our children. In this episode, Michael reveals those five challenges that every man faces at some point in his life. We dissected each one, sharing our personal experiences and what we've seen in other men during our time sitting in circles. Michael declared that every man deserves to be living an exciting life, filled with passion and his purpose and aiming towards his mountaintop. And if that's not you right now, we talked about ways you can get yourself there. We opened up some of the common resistance points that trip men up during the process, and lastly, how to bust through the barriers so you can live your best life. Without further ado, Michael Diamond. All right, Rising Man family, I've got another brother joining the audience for the first time here, Mr. Michael Diamond coming in from Marin County up here in Northern California. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. It's an honor, pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, yeah. Taking time right before you move out to Texas. Appreciate you making it work, man. (laughs) You probably got us posted up on moving boxes and all that, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's part of my hero's journey, you know, everything I got to get to get out there. So I'm, I'm... I'm excited to be able to drop in in this way for some big changes. All right. Real quick before we jump in, man, what are you most excited about in moving to Texas? And what are you most afraid about in moving to Texas? Oh, wow. I didn't know we were going there. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm most excited about, you know, it's freedom is, it, I would say is like the bigger word, just the individual freedom. I was just out there and there's, there's definitely a shift in the energy. You know, I love California and I've lived here for 17 years and the feeling there, it feels a bit more expansive. Uh, it feels there's like a, a more 
desire for that individual liberty. I think I've been searching for it for a while. What scares me is the humidity. No, <laughs> it's a brand new way of life for me. And there's a lot I'm just stepping into of an unknown, which is exciting at the same time, but it's a little scary. Just, you know, it, kind of, is this the right decision? And, and all those kind of stories that come up with, you know, did am I doing the right thing? Is, you know, all those, as we'll probably hit on, like, I'm like in my head about it, but I always kind of keep checking back and well, I got the soul thread to go and, and I'm following that. Nice. I love that, man. Yeah. I figured I'd pop that one on you because I know so many, so many people moving out to Texas right now. I figure it's a mixed bag. Anytime you move somewhere new, you know, new community, it's also a strange time to move to a new area. If you don't really already strange. have community established. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, no, some people that already live there, we have a little bit of family out there, which is cool. You know, it, it's like, don't want to get too comfortable either. You know, we've been, especially in this whole quarantine situation and you know, we've been in our house and it's like, well, we don't, I've learned in my life and with my wife and family, we don't make small incremental moves, whatever we do. It's always like, but bam, we're making huge, huge changes. So that's kind of how we roll anyway. Yeah. It's always go big. That's going to fit in right in, in Texas, right? Everything's big in Texas. They're just like, <laughs> your boldness it's will be well thing. received. <laughs> it is definitely a real thing. And I've learned that everyone from Texas wants to tell you that they are from Texas. Like it's uh they're very proud. Yeah. Which, which Texas I did. Pride. I, I, I like that pride. Awesome, man. Well, let me ask yeah. you the first question that I always ask every guest here. And that is sure. for you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Oof. Difference between a boy and a man. It's responsibility. A man takes responsibility. And what I've learned in my life in coming into this mature masculine, especially having a family, is realizing that my life isn't about me anymore. It's not about my sort of egoic desires, or I want to experience this, or I want to achieve this. It's really about legacy and stewardship and what I'm leaving in my wake. And as I like to talk about, it's advancing the evolutionary baton of my family. Being a boy is about experiences. It's about you know feeling and, and just wanting to live life and enjoy, which are all great things. And I, and I think as a man, we need to reconnect to that child part of us, but it does need to evolve and realize that we're on this planet for an extremely short amount of time and we're here to make impact and leave a legacy. And it's not about us really not about our own, like, I achieved this, look at this list of all these things that I did or experienced, but like, what am I leaving behind? How is the world better because I was here? And realizing it's way beyond just my own personal experience of it. I would say that would be a big distinction. And it comes back down to responsibility. Yeah. I heard a few things I really liked there. I heard legacy. I heard stewardship. I heard advancing the evolutionary baton. I, I really like that one, man. And it made me I gotta think. I got to give my wife credit for that one. That one's not me. That's your I wife? Okay. It. Yeah, but I've taken it from her for sure. <laughs> well, I like that one, man. I'm going to tell her I'm going to borrow that and give her the copyright on it. <laughs> what, I, what I like about that is that it seems to me that the conversation around legacy, it lost its emphasis and its importance in the past few generations. My theory is that it happened when we began to lose our culture. For those of us who are living on soil that is not the land of our most recent ancestors, you know, like uh, we're talking about those of us who are come from immigrant families. Most people in the United States or in the Western world come from another place if you go back a few generations. And I think this idea of 
leaving a legacy and being a steward for future generations got somewhere lost in the mix when it was about survival. It was about living and surviving in a new place in an unfamiliar world and, and blending in with the quote unquote American dream. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's an honor and a reverence for the land that we're on that needs to be taught. I, I think we're, where I see this tying in is, especially talking about boy to man, we've lost those rites of passage. We've lost how to honor the land. We, you know, I didn't learn that. We definitely don't learn it in school. The culture definitely doesn't promote it. So, for example, when we were on the sweat together and everything that was done was symbolic, everything that was done had a meaning, everything we did had a purpose and it was explained and we had reverence for that. And we slowed down and we actually received the wisdom of the land, received the wisdom of all the different pieces that were brought in. Where is that being done nowadays? We have ceremonial things that we do, right? If you're Jewish, you're bar mitzvah. If you're in Christian faith, you have a, either a baptism or a, a confirmation, right? We have all these sort of cultural, religious, ceremonial things. But yeah, when have you taken your son out on the land and taught him like, okay, this is who used to live here. This is how they treated it. Treat it in the same way. Have the same respect. We don't do that. It just doesn't exist. So we talked about me going out to Texas. I drove a moving truck from California to Texas. And for me, it was like a rite of passage. It was like I earned, I didn't just get on an airplane and pop over there and boom, I'm there. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but I drove out there. I, I had to experience that the road to get there. And I, I think we've lost, we're in such a you know, culture of everything so quick. We have everything at our fingertips, but we don't slow down and really know the depth of the land, depth of the traditions, depth of the cultures that make up all of this. And I think we need to get back to that. So it's like, ultimately, how do we take things like that, but bring them into a modern day context? And I think the younger generation is looking for that leadership. They're looking for that mentorship. They want meaning. They want depth. They don't want everything just so, there's so much breath, but not a lot of depth. And I think we're getting back a renaissance of, of bringing depth back into things. I agree with you. And I think the most important thing in that is the pace that if we don't slow down, then we can't receive all of that information, all that wisdom that's waiting right here. Because when you actually look at it, it's really simple. A lot of these teachings go really, really deep, but the simplicity of the teachings is, is evident. You can feel it if only you slow down long enough to listen, to observe, to witness what the natural environment's saying and to receive those teachings. But th the reality is that we're not engineered to move slowly. We're engineered to move faster and faster and more efficient, more efficiency, you know, cranking out emails, cruising through social media. It, our brains are wired for speed and there's certain information that can only be accessed when we slow down enough. Yeah. And I think what I hear you saying and how it ties into some of the work I do is all of that, what you're saying is of the mind, right? This efficiency, the speed, and most men I find we're living in our head, right? And we're trying to figure things out in our head. And we've either have never experienced or we've lost that connection to soul and our heart or we lost the connection to our balls and our primal. And we're just like, we're living from here up. And that is the culture. And the culture by definition is energy neutral. It's not meant to bring that level of depth. It's meant to keep you operating at the same frequency, same existence. What I feel like men are really yearning for, I know the men that I work with, it's like they want deeper meaning and they want to reconnect, they must actually reconnect to that primal energy. You know, we mentioned, you know, Iron John and, and it's like that, that wild man. It's like, when did you ever learn to, to access that? 
beyond the work that you're doing, right? So we need to reconnect to that in a big way. And men are just living pretty much from their shoulders up and get stuck in their head trying to figure everything out. And it's uh, that'll get you far in the metrics of the culture, but the relationships are suffering as a result. Yeah. And I like that. You know, we talk about that a lot. We talk about, you know, the journey, longest journey a man goes from his head to his heart. And a lot of talk about head, a lot of talk about heart, a lot of talk about gut, gut feeling, instincts, intuition. I think there's another layer to that that I've been starting to add in, and that's your blood. Because what's, mm. what's moving through your body is this incredible textbook, this archive of information that goes all the way back to our earliest ancestors. And going back to what I was saying before about coming from immigrant families in which culture was lost, literally cultures being fractured because people moving from one country to this country needed to assimilate in order to survive and to, to make it work out here. And then adopting this, whatever an American culture is, I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> and losing so much of what worked for our ancestors for so many years. And back to what you said, all of our ancestors, everybody who did something in our bloodline so that we could be here, they're connected to ancient practices of relationship with the land. Before technology, before iPhones, before cars and planes and all this stuff, the only only technology we had was what the land provided, what the land offered, especially if you go back, you know, even just a few hundred years, vastly different than what we have now. So we had to have a relationship with nature. And I always tell guys too, you know, the four elements, fire, water, earth, and air. You can't survive if you don't have a relationship with these elements. So don't tell me you don't have one. Maybe you don't have a conscious one, but right. <laughs> you're using fire to cook your food. You're drinking yep. water and washing yourself with it every day. So I think it's just a matter of reminding guys that it's not so distant. You don't have to be born into a native or indigenous bloodline. Every single one of us has this in our DNA. In fact, we're closer to our ancient ancestors genetically than we are to any of this modern technology stuff. We're just Absolutely. trying to catch up. Yeah. You know, a couple of things there. It's like, we must reconnect to our lineage and how far back that goes. And even from a physiological perspective, you know, the epigenetic wiring that we have with our past generations. I mean, they did studies recently with earthworms where they found the epigenetic response goes back 14 generations. So when men have their stuff come up, it's like, well, is it really even your stuff? Or is it just what's been perpetuated in, in your cultural lineage and your familial line? And also taking beyond their own personal experience, it's the collective like how much you plugged into that. And I think when you're talking about the land, it's like, can you literally put your hands in the dirt and connect to the wisdom that's embedded in that soil, right? In that earth. Can you literally like, like earthing, right? I love the concept of earthing. It's like, oh, you mean like walking around without your shoes on? Oh, right. Like that whole concept of, of like plugging back in to nature. We are inextricably linked to nature, and with our modern day culture, we've, we've lost that. One of my mentors says we're in information overload, but we're in wisdom deprivation, right? You want to know how to do something. Do you look it up on Google or do you call your father and ask him how he did it? You know, we're not, we're not connected in our lineage in that way. And in, in what I'm hearing you saying, the land is part of our lineage and we need to remember that and connect back to that. And just in our modern day civilization with cities and how things are set up, it's like you could literally go through your whole day and not touch the ground, right? You can be in a high rise, you can have shoes on, whatever. It's like, we're just not connected to that. And we need to refine that. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. That just made me remember something that I, I'm pretty sure I heard in a sweat lodge or in a teepee at some point from one of the, <laughs> one of the old guys who kind of talk like this. The difference between information and stories 
you know, like that, like for example, like you just said about Google, right? If I, if I've got a question about something mechanical, even not something mechanical, pretty much any question, right? The first thing is, well, let me see what my pocket has to say about this. Bust out the phone. Yeah. Do, 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 do. What does Google yeah. have to say about the, how I do this? But before any of that stuff, before even the written word information and know-how and wisdom was passed down through storytelling. And even yeah. when you're tying up the teepee, for example, right? I don't, most people out there, they're like, oh yeah, a teepee just appears out of nowhere. It's like, nah, these are <laughs> some really, really long, heavy poles and a really heavy <laughs> canvas that you have to put up in a perfect way so that it holds its structure. Yeah. There's a story behind how you sequence the poles and how you tie the rope that goes along that reminds you of, oh, this is number one, the mechanical sequence in which we do it. And here's a story that reminds you of the meaning behind it, you know? One of my bros, you know, Phil, he always says that there's always a functional and a spiritual element to everything that we do on that plane. So, And I think we're, we're really, as men and people in general, we're seeking meaning. We want depth of meaning. You know, it, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't satisfy me and my soul just to like, yeah, I can dial up the answer in, in, you know, in two seconds on this thing. But what did I get out of that? I got the immediate dopamine hit. But I get I get the real soul. You know when you like you have a question, you're you're going back and forth, and you're like trying to figure it out, and you're you're like racking your brain, and how many different side stories come out of that, and how many you know things that you remember, like you're talking about the parables, the stories, the way things get passed down. It's like that's a conversation. It's not just like oh, I satisfied that itch to get the answer. I'm actually like getting depth of relationship by trying to figure out the answer. Right. And, and also just in our physiology and our brain, when we just Google something and it goes up, it's like, it doesn't hit this part of the brain. It's, it's all here. You know, the screens are not designed to stimulate the frontal lobe and the higher cortexes of the brain, which perpetuates this negative feedback loop. And we just become automatons. It's like, you know, I always look at, uh, I don't know if you remember the movie, like Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon and Robin Williams. Robin Williams finally gets it where he's like, man, you're really smart, Will. You get all these things. If I asked you about this, you would quote me all these things, but you never fell in love. You never were on the battlefield. Like you never had the lived experience. You just read it in a book, right? So the whole point is like, you may have all this mental understanding, but do you really have the depth of knowing and knowledge and, and lived experience? And I think we need to bring that back. So I know with the work you do, it's like you're bringing lived experience and real depth to the, you know, the, all these ways, all the wisdom, all the blessings that you're talking about. And it's like, I think there's such a hunger for that right now Mm. because we're so much information overload. Totally. And there's no replacement or substitute for experience. You can't read about experience in a book. Like you said, you can't, you can't get that other than being in it. And I think that's oftentimes where guys get stuck is that they're too afraid to take that leap forward and have that experience that requires to step into the unknown, or there's not that community there to catch them and welcome them into the unknown and make it just a little bit more warm and inviting and, and, you know, at least being able to see guys on the other side of that saying, Hey, you're going to survive. It's going to be all right. It's going to suck sometimes, but you'll be all right. And I I see that that's like the work that we're, we're creating here. And let's actually use that as a pivot point because one thing that I really like about what you brought in was these, I think it was five common challenges that all men are facing. Is that what you say? All men are are facing these challenges or have come up against I would say all men. I haven't met one man that is not facing at least four of these. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, great. So let's run them off and find out what they are and then we'll dive into them each. Sure. Sure. Well, the first, I think we've been talking about a little bit, it's like living in the head, right? Living from here up, trying to figure our way out through every single problem, trying to fix it, not connected to our heart, not connected into the primal, into the balls. The other is being a pleaser and acquiescing our energy and not having 
standards and boundaries and really dropping in more into that like warrior archetype and just wanting to please everyone and feeling empty at the end of the day. The other is being the lone wolf and everyone doing it on their own. And what I found being in brotherhood with men. So one of the questions I ask men when they come on to a, an immersion with me is what's your definition of brotherhood? And it's amazing to me how many of them say, I have no idea. I've not experienced that. So just being in community together is huge. Groundhog's Day, how many of us are living life really the same day over and over again and just feeling dead and not connected to any bigger why, any purpose, any mission, just going to the job, paying the bill, just same day over and over again. And then the last part, which is I think the ultimate pain is, okay, you've achieved success. You have all your check boxes filled off. You know, you have the house, got the wife, got the car, kid, the vacations, the bank account, and you don't feel happy. You don't feel fulfilled. Then what? I know Tony Robbins always says, you know, success without fulfillment is the ultimate pain because you've achieved everything, but yet you're still not happy. And that's the biggest mind fuck out there. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on the podcast. Go for it. Yeah, no, you're good. (laughs) So those are the things I've identified as being pretty common to the the masculine experience in this current culture. Yeah. Uh, Let's go back to number four, Groundhog Day. That When I was hearing you say that, because I'm in my head, I'm going, yeah, I've been there. Yep. I'm in that right now. And then when you got to four- I only know these because I've been in all of them. (laughs) Totally. Right. Well, when you got to number four, I thought to myself, huh, I don't feel that. And then I, the first thing that came over me was like, wow, I'm really grateful that I don't feel that. And then I asked myself, when did I last feel that way? And that was really how I felt in my early to mid twenties. That was when I was at that point, I had just finished physical therapy school. I had a doctorate. I had a great job, was doing all the things, paying my bills, could do pretty, really could do anything I wanted to like an, an early definition of freedom in my book and felt exactly like what you described that I can't wake up and keep doing this every day for the next 30 to 35 years before I retire. And also having no idea what else there would be if not that. And almost like looking at my life a few years into the future and just seeing blank pages. And it it terrified me. And it also completely depressed me. I was like, what the hell? How did I get here? And where do I go? And that's when, by the grace of God, I decided to travel across the country, landed in a men's circle, and you know, the rest is history. But had I not... I would be just like so many other guys out there right now, probably still in a space like that. Yeah. So what I see happening, because I have seemed to attract a number of millennial men, right? So this younger generation of men, I'm 42. So I'm, I'm in a little bit different of a generation. And so many of them are seeking like blessing from older men, right? And I think that's one of the core things that is missing in our culture from fathers to sons is, is, is this blessing, Like, you're going to be all right. I think you mentioned it before, uh, a guidance along the way. And we have these cultural metrics of success, right? Like, okay, you should go to college, get an advanced degree, open a practice, get a job, whatever, and climb that quote unquote ladder and then get those check boxes like we were talking about. And again, it's uh, five, 10, 15, 20 years go by and you're like, is this it? Oh, wait, now I'm just chasing this dollar or chasing this title or chasing this metric of the culture, but it's not actually filling my soul up. It's not actually my mission, my purpose in life. So we can help men earlier on connect to that and receive that blessing, you know, back 25, 26 years old, even younger, then it's a whole different experience. You know, part of me moving to Texas was I just closed, I got my doctorate in chiropractic, advanced degrees, all that stuff, two practices, 12 years. And it got to the point where I felt like I was, and it was beautiful work and still 
felt like I was doing the same thing every day over and over again. Although it was contributory, it was healing, it was helping people in my own being. I was like, well, I'm just kind of just running through the motions. Yeah, I could do this blindfolded. And I knew as more of those kinds of days were happening, I, I was like, I have to make a big change. Even it means radically changing everything in my life. So hopefully men don't have to get to the point where they have to make some, hu- and it happens, of course, make a huge radical change. Sometimes it's like one degree, right? What that looks like is finding the novelty again. And I think we've lost that is because every it's like driving home and you pull in your driveway and you don't even know how you got there, right? Because the subconscious is just driving the ship. So we need to bring some of that unconscious, more conscious and find the novelty again in life and find the, the magic in just like the little tiny things that we just take for granted. And if we're losing that or not paying attention to that, yeah, you watch out a year, two, five, 10 years is going to go by and you're like, what the hell have I been doing? And it, either it's going to be some like tickle that wakes you up or it might be some major life event or trauma that shocks you out of your life. And you say, you, know, you look at people that made major changes in their life. Typically, it's because some huge trauma happened. And at the moment, it's like, how terrible. And then they look back and say, what a blessing. That was the biggest gift I ever received because it knocked me out of my normal existence. And now I'm doing what I'm passionate about. Now I'm doing what I'm driven by. Now I'm connected to my mission again. And that's what we really need to be getting. And if we can get that, without the trauma, then we're in a whole tier two consciousness. It's like, I don't have to have the wound to get the gift. And that's one of the things about being in brotherhood is what we always say in Ignite the King is your work is my work. So I get to experience your transformation for myself and thank you for doing that work. So I get to experience that and I don't have to experience the trauma or the wound of that. And that's a whole nother level. Yeah. All right. Let's unpack a few things here because it's, it's some really good stuff that you just dropped on us. Uh, the first thing is just this going back to the generational piece, just looking at a whole generation of elders who are wasting away in nursing homes or grandparents who are my generation, you don't see or talk to very often. And in comparison to other cultures where the elders were the most highly revered because they were the wisdom keepers, right? They were the ones that had the most wisdom to pass on. So I always say that you can learn a lot about a people and their culture by how they treat their elders and how they treat their youngers. So the fact that we're institutionalizing our elders and over-medicating our youngers, it's just, it's completely backwards, right? And I, I love what you brought in there about how that absence of blessing for this generation from an elder generation, it's absolutely essential, man. I mean, even the value that I got from really from having an elder man who was my dad's age, but not my dad, look in my eyes and tell me that I was doing a good job and that I'm a good man and that he sees wonderful things for me. And then in this next sentence to challenge me to step it up, keep reaching higher. I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's like rocket fuel for a young man. And I'm getting full body chills as you're talking about that. Cause <laughs> okay. yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause you know what it is? You know what that is? You felt it before too. Yeah. We're craving that. I mean, it's, you know, you look at any good movie, like typically like a, a sports movie or, or not even in the movies, you look at a boy who doesn't have a father figure, either their father's not at home or just physically there, but emotionally absent. And maybe they're good at sports and now they have a coach. And the coach is the one that becomes that father figure to them. And they give them that blessing. But as you said, also challenge them to be more because they, they see it in them and know they could be more. And how many lives have been changed because of that one coach? I mean, there's countless movies that are built on that, right? So as men, I feel like when I became a father, first of all, 
I didn't just become a father to my son. Energetically, I became a father to all children. So when I'm around my kids' friends, it's like I'm responsible as the man in the room, as the elder, to impart that wisdom. And not overtly like, oh, you're going to listen to me and I'm going to push this on you. But it's modeling how you are, how you carry yourself. There's all this nonverbal, subtle, energetic communication that's going on that is being picked up on. And we need to be responsible. Again, responsibility, we we started from the beginning, where we have to be responsible for that and carry ourselves in that sacred way. And we're bringing that back. And I believe there's a renaissance of that going on right now. Totally. hundred percent. I've spoken about that myself. The moment that my son was born, he's five years old now. When he was born, that moment, the first time we went to the park with our son and I felt different. I looked around at all these other kids and I felt responsible for all of them. And I've really taken that on. And I encourage a lot of guys to do the same, even if they don't have their own children to begin looking at all children, like they are your own. You don't have to, like you said, treat them like your actual blood kin, but how would you show up as a father to that? You know, what is the example of the model that you want to leave behind? What's the, I always think, what is the experience of a man that I want this little boy or little girl to have right now? If, even if it's just someone I'm passing in the grocery store, sometimes it's a little girl sitting in the cart while her mom goes and grabs some cereal and I just smile and wave and, and say hello and just be kind and gentle. We're just keeping an eye out for her, right? Like, you know, her mom might've walked away and now you're like, oh, hey, we live in a crazy world. Something crazy could happen and I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to have my awareness up right now because part of being a provider and a protector is not only for our own family, but it's for those that cannot protect themselves. And how many times literally on the street do we walk over those people, not pay attention, disregard them. And we need to have reverence for all those people. And if we truly live in a holographic universe, they are us and we are them. And if we can see it in them, there's a part of that in us and we need to honor that. And I know that kind of gets kind of, whoa, what are you talking about? But it's true. Right. <laughs> and we need to remember that and, and bring that subtle awareness and not so subtle awareness back into our consciousness, our conscious awareness. Yeah. And it goes into a little bit of a, a biological debate and dialogue, I think. I think on an evolutionary perspective, so much of life on this planet has been in competition with either other members of their same species or other species for resources and for survival. And for whatever combination of factors, we've made it to a point where there's still many people on this planet, humans who are fighting for basic survival, but there's also a lot of us, probably the people who are listening to this podcast who aren't. There's not some predator that's out that's going to hunt you down and eat your family, right? The threats that you're encountering on a day-to-day basis are mostly in your own head, <laughs> right? They're mostly they're <laughs> contrived. It's the, it's, the, it's the predator inside. And so yeah. we can do more because we've eliminated some of the basic threats to our survival and looking out for each other's children in that way, creating a better society is what we're capable of. But I think we're just, we're still so me-centric, so self-referenced in our existence. And I think it goes back to what you said about the difference between a boy and a man is it's not my life. This is for the benefit of all my people, all these people around me and future generations I'll never meet. Yeah. I mean, think about when you give someone a gift, like a present, is it about the person receiving the gift or is it about the excitement that you get to feel giving someone a gift, right? You find something, you're like, oh, I'm going to give them this gift. You get all excited and you give it to them. Like you're more excited about giving it than they are receiving it. And that ultimately is, I think, our makeup. It's not about what we get, right? It used to be whoever dies with the most toys wins. I mean, that, that's so passe at this point, right? But it's like, how much could I give? How much can I show up? Because 
that is truly soul fulfillment. And that's like one of the last things, you know, as far as the pains is that you can have all the check by, you have all the toys, you can have all the things and, but you feel empty, right? Like Gandhi says, right? Lose yourself in the service of others. It's like, if you actually just give, 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 it's like, you feel so filled up. I mean, think about when you, you lead in an EP or one of your weekends, right? I mean, you're given everything. You're just depleted almost by the end, but how much is your soul filled up by what transpired? It lasts for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. I know I experienced that. Yeah, even in a small way, man. Even just having a conversation on these podcasts. I could be having the worst shit day ever. And I just come out here and have a genuine conversation with a guy that I respect and that I admire. And I come out of here and I'm like, man, I feel like I just drank a cup of coffee. Like I had a second afternoon cup and I didn't. And I think it goes into this next thing that I wanted to talk to you about. It's actually the fifth challenge that you mentioned there. The guys who check off all the boxes, who have made so much progress towards this ideal of success and yet feel that lack of fulfillment, they feel incomplete. And I think that's such a good indicator of when you're on the right path. And unfortunately, I think a lot of guys they've waited and probably guys of a previous generation, so many years go by and they, they had that itch that you were talking about before and they never scratched it. And then they arrive and they say, oh crap, all this time, something was speaking to me and I was ignoring it. I know we're hoping that guys can identify that earlier and earlier on. So talk a little bit about that. Just just recognizing that itch and how to, how to feed it. Yeah. One thing I'll say right away is it's never too late. So it's interesting. I seem to attract as I said before, like these millennial men looking for mentorship guidance, how to live in this way we're talking about. And then I, I seem to attract this other end of the spectrum of men, you know, 50s, 60s, where they have checked off the boxes, they have experienced all these things of life, and they're like, maybe their marriage is broken, they're not feeling fulfilled, and they're like, fuck, it was all a lie. It was all bullshit. Everything I was told I was supposed to do, I did it. And now what? And now going looking to go back for meaning and depth. So it's both ends of the spectrum. And as I said before, this is probably one of the ultimate pains because you did everything you were supposed to do. You got all the things, you, all the metrics are right. And you're like, what now? What now? So what's cool is to see those men transform and to then be giving their blessing to that younger generation. Because that's they don't need to achieve anything else. They've done all the, the, the mind, egoic, cultural stuff. But now it's like, they're also as getting into that elder age. They're more in their awakened golden years, so to speak. They're more coming from soul. They have all that life experience. They have a lot more wisdom than they probably give themselves credit for. But when they start actually tapping into that and they start giving that to that younger generation, I had a guy, a man I was talking to today where he was saying, yeah, I noticed in the brotherhood that men will be saying things that I said like months ago, and they're still living their life based on that one thing I said. I'm like, yeah, you have a lot of value. And I think that men need to own their value and recognize that their life experience is important and how to bring that into a context that actually is powerful. And that you're the map maker. You get to write the story about what it means. So whose story are you telling? And whose filter, who's, you know, are you telling your dad's story? Are you telling his dad's story? Like how, how long are you going to perpetuate that same story? Or maybe it was just something in your lineage, in your culture that you, in your cultural familial lineage that you've, you know, well, we always do it this way or whatever. It's like, at what point do you say enough of this? And I'm getting to choose what the story is going to be. I'm making it, we're all making it up anyway. I might as well make up a good story about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised when, 
a guy in his fifties or sixties pops up and messages me on Facebook, usually Facebook, not Instagram. And, and he'll say, he'll say something like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a true test right there. It's <laughs> a true testament, right? It's like, okay, yeah, you got some gray hair. You're messaging me on Facebook and he'll thank me for the podcast. He'll just say, wow, I, I wish I had this stuff back when I was your age. And then we, we go a little bit deeper in conversation. It turns out that he's like my dad's age and it just catches me off guard. I'm like, wow, it's really humbling for me to, to recognize that I've got something to offer a guy of that generation. And then those guys spend some more time around. They come out on some of our events or they show up in our virtual circles. And I'm always compelled to remind them of just how much they have to offer, even if at the very least their life is a cautionary tale of why you don't wait to get in relationship with other men, why you don't wait to start living your passion. That's so valuable. It's so valuable. And I know that there's a lot of guys who are in their fifties and sixties that have that pain, but that that pain can be so useful for other men just to see how much it hurts to let that much time go by without living your purpose. Right. So like I said before, it's that can we, as the quote unquote younger generation, get the gift of that without having to experience the wound or the traumas that they had to? Like what a blessing. That's really tier one, tier two consciousness that we can experience the gift without the wound. We can get that knowing, that knowledge, that understanding about life from someone that's lived it without like how many pitfalls do we avoid? We talk about proverbial sitting on the shoulders of the generation before. I mean, that's what it's all about. And the reality is for those men in the fifties and sixties that may be listening, it's like, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. Like there was no context for a lot of this work back then. It was, you know, children were seen and not heard, right? Like that. That was the classic thing that was said. You didn't talk about your emotions. Like it just, it was like a dirty word. You were, you know, that you were a girl, you were a sissy, you, all that's all the stories we all heard. It's like, they were steeped in that. It was just not even in the culture at all. I mean, forums like this, even just having this open dialogue and conversation about this kind of stuff, it just didn't exist. So to be able to bridge the gap for them that, you know, their experience wasn't in vain. It has tremendous value. And for them to be able to be in a context now, whether it be on a weekend or listen to a podcast where they are able to get a deeper understanding of their life experience, as I said before, it's never too late. And it's like, it's like Tetris, man. Once that one thing clicks in, it's like, boom, 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 boom. And this is the cool nonlinear aspect to all of this. Like when you make that change, like you go on a weekend, you have that epiphany, you have that, that embodied experience. It, it changes the past. It changes the future. You're literally living a different version of yourself. When you go home and show up to your wife, show up to your family, and you're different like that, they're different. You're not meeting the same version of them. You're in different versions. And that's, you know, kind of hard for the mind to understand because it's not of the mind, but it's multidimensional. It, it literally goes back, it goes forward. So it's never too late to do that kind of work. And that experience, that life experience is never in vain. And now there's just more context for it. And we have a better understanding. And, you know, we find with the millennial generation where they're just more open to it because, it's like, yeah, of course, you know, because they grew up touching a screen and being able to access all the information in the entire universe. Like the generation before didn't have that opportunity. So things seemed much more linear. And now we realize that, you know, so much more is available to us. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So before we started recording, I asked you if there was one message you wanted to make sure we conveyed to the men. And uh, you, said that, <laughs> <laughs> you said that every man deserves to live his mission. Uh, let's just pick that one apart before we got to wrap up here. What does that mean? And, and why do you think that's true? Yeah. Well, I feel like we're all, we're all unique, right? As, as similar as we are and as similar circumstances we all are, 
we're all unique beings. When I think of mission, I think of passion, right? And if you break down the word passion, it's pass I on. You're passing yourself on. That's part of that evolutionary baton we were talking about before. And it's valuable and it deserves to be lived and it deserves to be experienced by others. And when you don't make it about you, it's about you're adding into that collective consciousness, how you drop one pebble in the pond over here and that ripple goes out. And you may never see where that ripple goes. You may never see the far-reaching effects of the work that you did in your life or how it affects the collective, but you just know that it does. And if we all do our part in that, because the thing I find, the biggest core wound I find men and people in general have is, I don't matter. I don't have value. I'm not worthy, basically. Like, I have nothing to give here. And nothing could be further from the truth. And, you know, we were all made in the image and likeness of God. We all have this special, unique aspect of who we are. And we find our passion and we pass eye on. We are living our mission. And dropping that pebble in the pond. And if we all do that, that ripple becomes a wave and that wave becomes a freaking hurricane, right? Tidal wave, whatever. It it becomes massive. And collectively that just gets further and further out and has that far reaching effect. And it's important. It's the most important thing because from that place, your language changes, how you show up changes, your presence changes. What, you, what things mean to you changes. So from that one place has a deepening effect into every single thing in your life. And that's what every man must, it's your birthright. It is absolutely your birthright. And if you don't claim it, it's going to pass by. And again, if it's not about you, well, what about your kid? And what about his children and the children after him? What point do you take a stand for it? Or do you just accept how things are? You got to take a stand and say, enough of this. That pattern stops with me. I'm choosing more right now. I deserve it. And it's not from a selfish place. It's from an embodied place. We all deserve it. So every man deserves to live his mission. Absolutely. And taking a stand. We're in a culture right now where every aspect of our livelihood, every aspect of our freedom is being challenged, right? You know, we have this big virus going on, this big pandemic, and we're, we're giving away our freedoms left and right for safety. Nothing ever happened with safety. Nothing ever happened in our comfort zone. It's all outside. Classic thing, right? Life lives outside our comfort zone. All the growth, all the change exists out there. Well, it's like, at what point do you take a stand for that? When it's too late? doesn't work like that. Yeah, man. I definitely echo that. I think that the core message I'm hearing in that is that there's If you're not living on the edge of your comfort zone, then you're missing a massive opportunity to do with what you've got in this life. And I also like to compliment that message with not everybody has to be a mega influencer who's out there with, you know, a million followers doing that thing. I think there's, I think when we start talking about mission, people think of the people that inspire them. And I'm just as inspired by my friend's dad who coached our little league team. And he didn't give me everything that I needed, but he gave me a couple of really core things that really stuck out to me. And, and that if that is what your mission is to be a really present and available father, to be a father to this next generation, of kids, even the ones that are not your own, that's still a worthy mission. It's just, if you haven't identified what that mission is, and if you feel like you're going to home and you're going to bed and you still got gas left in the tank, but that's what I hear. And what you're saying is don't leave anything left in the tank, man. You know, you, you bring up such a good point, Jetty. It's like, 
not everyone needs to be an influencer and have a million followers, right? Yet, if you impact one kid's life, life worth lived right there. There's a great story of the, you know, the, the old man on the beach with the starfish. You've heard this before, where he's like, there's all the starfish on the beach. You know, he's throwing them back and the, this young kid walks up to him and says, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm saving these starfish. He's like, well, you can't save all these starfish. And he picks up one and says, well, to this one, it makes all the difference, right? So you can't save everyone and it's not your job to. But is every interaction you have sacred? You know, I always love like, you know, going to the grocery store and the cashier, you know, they're like automatons a lot of times, you know, beep, 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 just doing their thing. And you say, hey, Sally, how you doing today? And they're like, or nice to see you. And they're like, good. You know, like they're just automatic pilot, right? But when you break the pattern, you break the cultural hallucination, you wake them up and you say, it's really good to see you today. The effect that that, oh, well, now they feel seen, right? And then maybe now they feel inspired to go call their mother or like treat their kid better. And that, you know, and you just see the ripple effect of that. And it's like, can you leave a place better than you found it? Can you leave a relationship better than you found it? Why not? And you know what? I feel better when I do that. Like you said, you have a good conversation. It's like having that second cup of coffee, right? It's like, it's energizing. That's what we're searching for. That's what really I think we all want is more energy, right? So what energizes you? Is it walking around moping, feeling bad about yourself or is it contribution? Because you look at our human needs, growth and contribution are needs of the soul. They're not wants, they're not desires, they're needs. They are absolute must and you will find a way to fulfill it, whether in a positive way, a neutral way or a negative way. So if you're really, truly fulfilling the need of growth, feeling the need of contribution, I feel like you're living your mission. And when you're living your mission, you go to bed, like you said, there's no gas left in the tank. You lay your head on that pillow and your soul is satisfied and you feel complete and you wake up and you do it again. <laughs> you wake up and you do it again. And that's just the cycle of life that's <laughs> until it, you don't wake up again, <laughs> which is coming it. for all of us. No one gets out of this life alive, you know? There you go, man. Well, listen, dude, it's been an honor having you on here. You know, before I, before I cut you loose, I want to ask you a couple quick lightning questions and then you can tell everybody where to go find you. Are you ready for it? I guess so. Let's do it. <laughs> so what is one thing you've learned that you wish you knew when you were 18? Oh, someone just asked me that. Save 10% of every dollar you earn. <laughs> That's a good one, man. I wish I heard that one too. I wish I believed it. I think someone told me that. I didn't believe it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Integrity. Embedded in the word integrity is grit. G-R-I-T. You got to go through some stuff. Got to have grit. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Excellent, man. And where would you like people to go follow you, find out more about what you're doing, hear about Ignite the King? Tell us Thank about you. it. Thank you. Ignitetheking.com and that's Ignite with a K, K-N-I-G-H-T, Ignitetheking.com or Facebook because I'm an older guy, <laughs> slash Ignite the King. We have a, a nice Facebook group there. Good content, good shares. Our events are on there as well. Beautiful, man. When is the next uh, in-person event that you guys got coming up? Do you have one on the books yet? Yeah. January 22nd through the 24th. It's going to be in Austin, Texas. And uh, that'll be the next live event. Proud to say we did not miss one live event during COVID. So all proper precautions taken and we've been able to keep things going, which has been beautiful. That's powerful, man. Beautiful. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing. It was an honor to meet you in person and to jam a little bit more here in the virtual space. Best of luck out there in Texas. And uh, yeah, man, look forward to catching up with you in the future and seeing how things are going further down the road. I look forward to when our paths cross again. Thank you so much for having me, man. And keep doing the work you're doing. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. 
All right, fam, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Remember, as always, to go to risingman.org to check out the list of resources and links related to this episode in our show notes, and also to check out all the opportunities you have to become a bigger part of the Rising Man community. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast and go to YouTube to check out our channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Check us out on Instagram. Also give us a follow at Rising Man Movement. Shout out to my power team, Sean, Julian, Ryan, Rowan, Mark, and Roy. Thank you guys for everything you do each and every week. And to everyone else out there, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.